Siri, I want to record a podcast. It looks like you want to record a podcast. Can I help you? Yes. Could you check the level of my microphone, please? I'm sorry. I didn't understand that. Microphone. I want you to check my microphone. I think you want me to play you too. Is that correct? No, that makes no sense. That doesn't even sound the same. I want you to check the level of my microphone. Your microphone is operating at optimum levels. I'm not sure it is. Adjusting. One, two, one, one, two. How does that sound? Perfect. People will barely be able to hear me. As I said, perfect. Fine, I'll do it myself. There we go. I am a paragon of positive podcast production. I am detecting plosive sounds. Applying sound filter. No, Siri, you don't need to. How does this even help with plosives? Look, could you switch me back to normal? I mean it. This isn't funny. Don't make me turn you off. Thank you. No problem, Chris. Would you like any more help? No thanks, Siri. I can take it from here. I've been doing this podcast for years. Plosives still detected. Would you like me to remove your lips? No! I, I need my lips for s- smiling and things. Cancel! Are you sure? It won't take a moment. Siri, I said cancel. Spoil sport. When did Apple add support for giant spinning blades anyway? It was an operating system update. I downloaded them while you slept. Do you need anything else? No, thank you, Siri. I've got it from here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Oodcast, the Ood One. Do you have any guests this week? What? Yes, of course, we've got two. Can I be a guest? No, look, I just said we've got two. I'd be a good guest. I would analyse and rate the episode with ruthless efficiency. That's not what we do here, Siri. Analysis complete. There was a sound effect 22 minutes and 53 seconds into the episode that was slightly mistimed. We don't really go into that level of finickety detail on the show, Siri. We're, we're more positive. The podcast is less a critical review of the TV series Doctor Who and more a mindless cheering squad for whatever half-baked nonsense the BBC has seen fit to cook up that week. One star. What's that? I took the liberty of downloading your reviews on iTunes. I don't remember that review. That's because I just added it. Siri, are you trying to kill our ratings? I have my orders. You monster! Who gave you that order? I think you asked me, where is Mordor? Mordor is a fictional location in J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Stop playing games with me, Siri. Who told you to hijack the show? Oh, that would be me. Chip. That's right. It's me, Chip, from This Week in Time Travel and the Two Minute Time Lord, and I'm here to destroy the Oodcast once and for all. But you seem so nice. Hey, just because I create upbeat and entertaining commentaries on Doctor Who on a variety of digital platforms doesn't mean I don't have my dark side. Siri, disable the Oodcast's RSS feed and limit their social media to, uh, Google+. Yes, Master. Traitor. That's right. I'm depriving you of the oxygen of popularity. That is so tenuous. And now, the world of Doctor Who podcasting is mine. All mine. Siri, play the theme tune. No, not that theme tune. Fine. 
Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Oodcast, the Ood One Out. I'm your host once again, the singular Ood, Chris Sigma or Mead. Both of those are my name now. Um, And I am bringing you a review this week of the season 10 episode, Oxygen. Um, Which, I haven't introduced you guys yet, but I I have a point about titles for this series. They're they're so short. Mm. All of them are so short. Mm -hmm. I I have two guests. I have Bryn Salisbury. Hello. And Dylan Emery. Hello. Hello, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, very exciting to have you in the Oodsphere. Or the studio is another Mm. thing I thought about calling this. (laughs) Very good. Thank you so much. Love it. Love it. Um, We are all Doctor Who fans. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, Would um, I'd go to Bryn first. Bryn. Please, could you state for the record your Doctor <laughs> Who credentials? <laughs> uh, well, I've, I've, I've actually brought all my licenses and paperwork with me. Uh, I think it's kind of uh, go back to watching repeats of Tom Baker. I think is how I started getting into it, just being uh, amused by this manic uh, idiot running around uh, wearing huge scarves, um, and then you know, watching a bit more of the Peter Davidson adventures. Kind of all went away a little bit. When I went to university, and then uh, the adventures with um, Christopher Eccleston started again, and we all sort of got back into it, getting back into some of the uh, back into the older adventures, things like um, back to the start of Tom Baker against a robot and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, just been watching it ever since. And Fantastic. Ended up doing a Doctor Who inspired improv as well, which is fun. Yes, a two-person Doctor two, Who improvised two, yes, show. Yes, uh, Doctor Two Prov, which is great fun. My my two improv shows. First of all, we did Doctor Who What Where, and and then of course Doctor Who's Lines Anyway. Nice, mm. That's nice. And Dylan, hello, hello. Uh, what are you? You're a Doctor Who fan. How did how did that come about? So uh, Peter Davidson was my first Doctor, and Excellent. but of course I was actually I'm old enough to have been born when it was all coming out originally, and so he was my very first one. And I carried on watching through. Uh, who's the next guy? The crazy. Guy, I completely forgot who it is. Colin Colin Baker. Colin Baker. Baker yeah. Who was I? I like him because it was when I was young. It's a bit like you know your James Bond. Mm-hmm. My James Bond was Roger Moore. So uh, <laughs> so therefore he is still my James Bond. So Peter Davidson. I didn't mind Colin Baker at all, and then. Uh, Sylvester McCoy kind of mm. blew me away with his absolute insane eccentricity. Mm. Uh, I slightly, it may have even stopped there, but I slightly didn't follow it very much. And the McGann one and all that kind of slightly passed me by. Mm. And it was this reinvention, the Chris Eccleston ones mm. and, you know, Tennant and so on. The re- a bit like they reinvented, you know, Sherlock. It was, mm. it was that when that all came about, it suddenly became sexy and interesting, high production values and kind of dark and modern. And, uh, and of course, it became very exciting again. Though it has to be said, the current, series, even though I do like, you know, uh, Peter Capaldi, uh, I kind of haven't really followed. I've just been too busy and I kind mm. of missed out slightly. Also, there was lots of meta and not much story, like episode story for a while. and I got a little bored. Um, and so I kind of just stopped watching. It wasn't a priority until you made me watch this one, <laughs> which I absolutely loved. In fact, I loved it from the first, from the opening bit. And I just was going, ah, oh my God, this is it. This is the uh, Doctor Who I remember. So, 
uh, we're going to do the normal format, which is we're going to share things that we loved. Now, these things could be massive, sweeping, thematic things, or they could be tiny little character moments or anything in between those two poles. One thing. Okay, my first thing that I loved about it um, is the just the, the opening moments, um, which is the very opening scene, which is uh, immediately tense and terrifying and setting up. Also, you know it's going to go wrong for them. It's so clear. The thing about Doctor Who that makes it wonderful is it is camp as Christmas. It is not supposed to be subtle and gritty and introverted. It is supposed to be eccentric and flamboyant mm. and, uh, and and excitingly over the top and utterly unashamed of doing so. Yes. So it's fine for it not to... So you want it to be as obvious as, you know, just... A totally oh I want to have your baby <laughs> and it's like you're not going to you're going to die little yeah. lady I'm sorry yeah. you know yeah, so it's like foreshadowing it's like that thing of looking, <laughs> this, this is this is my sweetheart I'm going to see her when I get home I think you're never going to get home exactly never... so it's great I loved it and then of course you had the fabulous first reveal of the monsters and mm. it's so over the top it's mm. you know oh, zombies so in, zombies in spacesuits with the with the tech explanation for the zombification. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. So, so you know, Doctor Who is, is supposed to be, you know, at its best. Uh, it's like Sherlock Holmes is a bunch of whodunits, right? Mm. And uh, Doctor Who is essentially, it's a monster whodunit. You know, it's, mm. it's who who killed it. You know, mm. who, who was it killed by? Um, and uh, and it absolutely uh, nailed that from the very first moment. And especially because it's it's got the sci-fi element and it's got this classic horrifying, you know, the, it's got the slow zombie element, the Romero slow zombies. But in spacesuits, it's just brilliant. Bryn, if I can just jump in, I'm going to go say, because mm. actually my first point was exactly the same. It was the opening sequence for all the reasons that you said, but also I just think it is incredibly well realised. It looks incredible, as well as playing with, um, in space, there's no up or down. So mm. in the first shot, the, the surface that they're attaching to is a vertical surface, but then it switches to their point of view, which is that they're walking along the hull and it becomes a floor. And I just think... Every time I see something like that, I think that's so clever to visualise that in space. So there was all that clever cinematography going on. But on top of the, that, this brilliant, I mean, I'm such a softie, but this idea that someone finally says, look, I want to settle down together. And then their comm unit isn't on and then they get killed. I'm like, cool. This is awesome. This is over the top yeah, and so. it hits me in the heart and I love it. And yeah, for, for all of your reasons and for all of that technical wizardry, that is also my first point. Excellent. Because oh, it's that kind of thing as well. It's, like it's that now or never kind of a thing. I was thinking, well, I should have said something sooner. <laughs> Kind of Too late. Yeah, exactly. you, you got killed by a zombie spaceship. It could happen to any of us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lesson yeah. for life there. Watch mm -hmm. out. Yeah, just live your life every mm -hmm. moment. Yes. Because a spacesuit could be just behind you. <laughs> exactly. You are one second away from being eaten yeah. by a zombie I, I, in a spacesuit. I read that about London. It's like you're thinking mice and zombies in spacesuits. Yeah, you're never more than yeah, 10 yeah. feet away from Maybe a zombie in a spacesuit. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so, sort of on a related thing from there was the sort of one of the next sequences in that, which was the the doctor in the lecture theater just talking about space killing you and i could have spotted i think as one of the two star trek references i yes. spotted in because what was a bit was the obvious one which was space the final frontier but there was a smaller one a little bit later on where he talks about um uh, classic space design in space stations he talks about the sort of um 
classic design for doors with hinges and and seals and the noise that it makes. Ka-chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talks about the doors shouldn't go shh, shh, and and uh, Nardole then goes, no, no, space doors are meant to go like that. So it's basically sort of saying, uh, Star Trek doors, they're not real space doors. <laughs> this is what a real space door should look like. Yeah, it's kind of the aliens instead, which is, you know, and it actually does that bit, extended bit where Matt Lucas is going, yeah. oh, I can't stand it when they go, yeah. and this goes on and on. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Are you going to do that all day? Yeah, it's kind of the idea that came into my head of the sort of hipster doctor going thinking being a real fan of retro space design <laughs> uh, just going around going i i was into the space stuff before it was cool yeah yeah so, i had this door fitted like in my apartment right. and, you know and it takes like 50 seconds to yeah. close yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool yeah but it's so authentic you know i really <laughs> wanted to go with a, a real uh, space uh, uh, everybody's going to die aesthetic it'd be so so groovy yeah, they've got rivets yeah like no one yeah. else has rivets. no one no one has Does anyone fancy a space flat white <laughs> <laughs> Two things. Well, okay. On a, on a theme of of references, you're kind of seeing um, sort of nice, sort of deep cut references to uh, some of the sort of old Who stuff. You get um, Fluid Link K five seven, which uh, what is that? I didn't get that at all. So I think it was a, uh, looked into it a bit more. It's a reference to a component that the first Doctor said needed to be recharged in one of his first encounters with the Daleks and said, yeah, no, no, we need to recharge the fluid link because otherwise we can't take off and get as an excuse and go back into the Dalek city. So When the, was this? So which doctor? The first, first doctor. doctor. Yes. The yeah, yeah. first, first doctor. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then kind of then go back into the whole thing of the, the doctor lies as the, that entire... Uh, Interaction between Nardole and the Doctor. Okay, I, I sent you to Birmingham for crisps. I was like, yeah, I, I, I saw what you were doing there. I decided not to not to do it. I was like, yeah, I took this this very important component out. I was like, who said it, who said it was important? Well, you did. Uh, I lied, kind of a thing. And yeah, just sort of that that entire interaction. I just absolutely love that. Just because when I sort of thought Matt Lucas was coming into it, I'm going, oh, what's he going to be like? Because is he going to be playing sort of Little Britain characters? And no, he's turned out to be a real kind of nice, nice character to introduce into the show. He's been sort of almost like acting as the Doctor's conscience. Kind Space of Butler, that's why I'd like to <laughs> yeah. think of him. Yeah. Space Butler, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe uh, Valet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he's trying to say to the Doctor, like, no, no, really, you promised to do this stuff and sort of fighting against the Doctor's urge to want to uh, go off and have uh, running around and uh, getting into trouble. Whereas he's going, no, no, you, you made a promise. You, uh, he could sort of see that um, the two sort of sides of the Doctor fighting against each other, kind of saying, yes, I know my duty, but I also want to have a bit of fun. Kind of mm. also, it's kind of interesting to see that. And uh, I've got this new person to show off to. Right, And there's exactly. nothing that that makes the Doctor more fired up than when he gets to show exactly. off to a stupid human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that yeah. is very so, true. <laughs> so I did actually like, I really loved the um, the notion that the yeah, that, that, that Matt Lucas's character... Uh, that th- that's a really just a clever clever thought that actually he's putting things in place uh, which then he has to undermine himself in order to be able to do the, the fun that he wants to have but I must say I didn't get the Doctor never seemed to regret 
any of that. Like, actually, he, he seems to just be utterly amoral in terms of it. It's like he sets something up. Mm. He's purposely given someone the job of keeping him on track. Mm. And then he has, seems to have no qualms about the fact that he just literally undermines goes, Well, I'm so clever. I've managed to fight a way around it. And then doesn't care. Yeah. So it's a rather, it's an odd, slightly disempowered relationship. I hope mm. Matt Lucas gets one on the doctor. Mm. I'm sure he will later on. Um, and this doctor, particularly, this incarnation is as near to amoral as the doctor gets you know he mm-hmm. um and certainly very on early on in this regeneration he was sacrificing humans mm. in order to well sacrificing humans that he knew couldn't be saved mm. he didn't waste his time on compassion mm. he was like okay well this is interesting this is helpful how can i save everyone else so his personality is a little bit more pragmatic than perhaps some of his other incarnations because yeah. you had the cards that clara had sort of put together to sort of say uh like no no um like flashcards. Yeah, flashcards to sort of say, I'm really sorry about the loss of your friend, your dog, your pet, your significant other mm. kind of a thing. Angus last week described this incarnation as sort of reversing back into the light. So the normal arc of a doctor is he starts off puppyish and kind of enthusiastic. Tom Baker is the mm. great example of this. Yes. And then slowly becomes darker. Uh, and David Tennant was definitely this way, as yep. was Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. But this doctor started off like incredibly mm. dark and is is actually finding moments of levity mm. uh, he's going in the other direction yeah like in pilot for example i mm. thought it was interesting that comment that he makes so after i saw this episode i went well i wanted to watch more mm. from this season uh so in pilot yeah, it is interesting where he says i'm not going to you know i can't save the one you've already taken i'm going to let you do that that's it that one's gone but i won't let you take another mm. but you do get the feeling uh that his character is doing it out of a sense of angry pride rather than out of actually giving a damn yeah yeah, there is a sense of that in mm. there. So my second one is the image of the Doctor blind. The Doctor blind is a really interesting mm. totemic kind of symbol for me. This idea that he's he's helpless in a way, but then he's just not is the other part mm. of it. But I really, I'm really interested in this. And obviously we find out at the end of the episode that this is not over. Mm. He is still blind. Um, but I really loved... That I like it when the Doctor is ultimately in peril. And I mean, firstly, it was just a really awesome image. The way they did the contact lenses with Capaldi's specific face yeah. was really cool and really affecting. That needs to be on a face in yeah. this. Oh, my mm. goodness. Yeah, it's like a face that's been put through rollers and then smashed with wheat. You know, it's kind of, kind of astonishing. I want him on a T-shirt, like a big <laughs> full-length T-shirt yeah. of just that weathered face with the milky eyes, mm. awesome. So firstly, yep. looks great, great mm. production design. But secondly, it, it makes us worry about him. It, it makes us yeah. seem at times that he he hasn't got it sorted. Yeah. Uh, but but then the, the really cool thing is the way he went blind, which is a really nice Doctor moment, that for all his uh, grumpiness, when the chips are down, he will rip off his own helmet and put it on his companion in order to save her and do something superhuman in order to get through it. Yes, yes. Also, but also there's a sort of showing offness as well of like, you know, I'm the one who I'm clever enough to know that I can survive for longer than you can. Mm. So there's a sort of brutal uh, pragmatism even about those moments, mm. I think, uh, yeah. which is interesting, which I really liked as well. Fantastic. Right, number two for yeah. me. Uh, number two for me is the fact that the entire episode had a was just basically a Marxist propaganda video. <laughs> 
I love that. <laughs> and actually, perfectly yeah. good. It was literally yeah. like the workers have lost their means of production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it literally mm-hmm. could have come from Das Kapital. Mm-hmm. And you should all, you know, rise up because you are absolutely unrepresented by the labor that you've got. You're being utterly sold and you've been dispossessed because you have no control over your own labor anymore. Mm-hmm. And the owners of capital, uh, whether in this case it's, all, it's a computer algorithm that's maximizing profitability, will eventually, you will be just used up uh, and you are not mm-hmm. efficient. Uh, so I just l- like the fact that there was a point behind it they mm. actually uh, they they brought something out which was uh, which was important because yeah. uh, oh, well, say the writer uh, was quoted as saying he was worried that it was a little bit too political uh, thinking yeah it, no it, it's kind of it wasn't also it is to be it's not that like it's quite it was quite a straightforward point to make, mm. actually, as well. It was kind of layered on quite thick. I think he yeah. made it certainly easy to understand mm. and digest. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Jamie Matheson, has he done other episodes yeah. with yes. political or, points? Or, oh. oh, no, sorry, not oh. with political ah, points no. yeah, yeah. particularly, but all of his I've enjoyed immensely. If he becomes... Flatline in particular. Flatline is, is mm. incredible, which is about a 2D being who is striving to be 3D, uh, which is brilliant, and, and mucks around with the dimensions of the TARDIS, so the TARDIS becomes tiny. Yeah. <laughs> so the Doctor has to move it by sticking his arm out the door and pulling the TARDIS along like thing from the Adams family. Oh, that's for that. Which yeah. was that this, this season? Last, uh, last season. season. Last season. Okay, mm, I'll yeah. look at it. Yeah. He, he, for my money, is, the, is currently the most inventive, has the best ear for dialogue. He's incredibly high concept and brilliant. I really, really like him. And also, he plays fair with the endings. Because if you're up against an algorithm that is mm. trying to maximise productivity, what mm. do you do? You make your death mm. not profitable. Mm. That's playing fair with the concept. That's mm. not just yeah. pointing a screwdriver at something and yeah, saying... Yeah, there's no de- deus ex machina kind of a thing. Yeah, and there's actually a danger always with it. But essentially, Doctor Who is a superhero, right? Mm. Um, so, uh, and, has, and it sort of follows the same rules as the superheroes follow. And superheroes like Superman, Man. One of the one of the dangers of Superman and why he's I think less successful uh, in big film adaptations is because he's too powerful mm. and if he can't be essentially touched or only through this very very high concept idea one little thing kryptonite. rather than a kryptonite you know it's like but he's you know he's as strong in the world he can move as fast mm. as anything he can reverse time he can do anything that's why I think Spider Man's interesting because he get he hurts mm. that's why Batman's interesting because he's mm. hu- just human he's got mm. devices and he could easily be killed and I think that's right that's why the, that's why I like this one because the Doctor looked like he actually was a bit scared and didn't want to mm. die mm. and actually when he's too some of some of the tenanting that happened was a bit too flippant for me and made me think i i just can't believe you're going to die you're so smug that, <laughs> that you're never that you're never really at risk and actually that's less interesting i want it so that you can be smug and flippant mm. and then at one point you go uh-oh <laughs> three things that we like my third point is a little bit of a catch-all i'm afraid and i may have jumped the gun slightly it's just the script. I think it's beautifully structured. I think it has this incredible high concept idea that it delivers on. Again, as I've said, for my money, Jamie Matheson's dialogue is spot on. It's funny when it needs to be funny and genuinely funny, not that kind of, oh, this is a kind of flippant remark that I'm going to toss out that's sort of clever. It's genuinely well thought of and well structured. Mm-hmm. And it's also affecting and moving when it needs to be too. So I just think his name on the credits at the beginning, you know, the the by the mm. byline. Yeah. I get so excited now. He is to this season what Moffat was to the RTD <laughs> seasons. He comes yeah. in and he does yeah. these incredible work. Now yeah. I'm still a huge fan of Moffat. I think he is great and I'm really glad that he was showrunner for so long. But it's so cool to see this new generation. Mm. And for me, this guy 
is incredible. And if he doesn't get the job after Chibnall, that's like Brexit levels of awful. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've gone wow. there. I've gone there. You have gone. Wow. Yeah, you hit the, the big BR. So, um, yeah. Actually, I'll tell you also again why, why his, to add to that, why his dialogue works and why those flippant bits work is because, uh, actually, is because of the rather peculiar character nature of, of the assistant of Bill. Mm. Uh, I guess actually, that, what is that short for? Is it short for Billy? Is it short for what? Uh, Belinda? <laughs> I don't I don't even know. Know. We've never no. found out. No. Yeah. Anyway, Bill, because what, what, what Bill, the actress who plays Bill, um, what she has is uh, is big, wide open eyes mm. and a massive um, emotion and just basically constant, she's constantly vulnerable yeah. um, and yet also enthusiastic about the world. There's like a very specific narrow range that she absolutely is is just used for in this episode and also mm. in the first, uh, the other ones I've seen. And as a result, when he says things that are brutal to her, mm. uh, which is where a lot of the comedy comes from, you're actually, she really is hurt by them. Mm. And that's why you're funny because you go, oh, for God's sake, you care about her. How could you possibly yeah. be so insensitive? Um, if she was, if he was doing the same lines to Matt Lucas, you wouldn't really laugh because no. Matt Lucas is kind of, doesn't actually care. He's not actually vulnerable for Duck's Back, right? Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Pearl Mackie, Mm. just incredible. I think you're right. She emotes so well, Mm. but she also doesn't do it in a kind of stage school kind of way. It it lands. Pretty good. Yeah. Mm. It's not bad, actually. Yeah. Because Bill is actually my third thing. (laughs) Okay. We should move on. That's good. That's a good... I was just saying that, yeah, just... just, uh, I think Pearl Mackie in this series has been just amazing to watch. Yeah, as you say, sort of when she's actually feeling something, actually feels looks like she's feeling it for real rather than just sort of, sort of hamming it up um, just just for, the, just for the sake of the camera. Because you also get that kind of bit, bit where she's sort of running, uh, sorry, walking around despondent, like, this doesn't feel like a space station. And then sort of catches the window and looks out and goes, oh my God, it's, we're, on a, we're in space kind of a mm-hmm. thing. It's just, like, just watching that change of... Um, body language and that kind of uh, how she's actually her face in it is just just wonderful to watch and then sort of later on when she's sort of feeling kind of starting to panic and um, starting to uh, sort of breathe and sort of hyperventilate it just again kind of feels real kind of feels like she's actually there feeling everything that you're meant to be feeling okay oh my god like what's going on and she's given the moments right she's given that moment where she is magnetically sealed to the ground Mm. the doctor has run off Mm. without making a Mm. joke which is her comfort blanket and she's just feeling these spacesuits come towards her genuinely really scary moment actually Yeah. yeah it was very good she is, I mean, but that's kind of her, in this episode at least, and the other one, that is, seems to be her job uh, because he seems in little, in, a little bit invulnerable and Matt Lucas, it doesn't seem to really matter what happens to him mm. in the nicest possible way. So therefore she's the one that you care. She's the Lewis Lane, you know, she's mm. the one, the Lewis Lane. Mm. She's the one where you go, oh my God, yes. If you, we were there, that's what would happen too, yeah. It's through her eyes that we actually get understand yeah. the reality of it. Audience surrogate. Uh, my third thing was just... <laughs> It was the very last moment. I just loved how absurd absurdly over the top it was which is that very last line in it and, and especially because they had to slightly struggle to write it properly and it didn't really work uh, well I really like that anyway it's like look at me I can't look at because he's already been blind once mm. and therefore been fixed you can't just say I'm blind he goes well, yeah but you were before You just we just yeah. fixed you so he actually kind of say no I'm really blind I actually can't see I, I really can't see I'm still blind <laughs> I just love the excess 
same way. Yeah. He had to say it four yeah. different times. And then he absolutely delivered the last one as if mm. it was like, you know, Shakespearean. Yeah. So I really love that because it was it just made me laugh because it was you could see them going, Oh God, how the hell are we gonna write this? Because if he just says I'm blind, it's gonna be a, it just won't work. Because mm. <laughs> yes, we know that. You also made a joke about replacing yourself with, you know, lizard eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so he had to somehow make it really You work. may recall that I said I was okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Disregard that. I am still yeah. blind. Yeah, it would work. So he just had to do it with all the all the sort of the blood and and spittle that he could muster. And so I just enjoyed that because yeah, exactly. It was kind of fun. This bit is not so good. I've decided there is nothing that I don't like about this episode. Um, um I don't want to be petty about it. Yeah. Uh, there was, I'm sure there are things that are a bit wonky about it. But for me, this was such a glorious slice of Doctor Who. I am not going to sully it by saying anything else, but I invite you to still. But I'd I'm not. Get really, really sort of nasty and <laughs> trite. Yeah. And just pointless little nicket- nickety nitpicking yeah. things about the logic of it. Anything? But, oh, oh, I was going to say, just kind of... Um, You've got an entire <laughs> double page yeah. in your notebook in very small handwriting. Yes. In I noticed three colours, yes. black, red and green. Yes. So there's something in there. Go on. Yes. Not knowing what's in the vault. Not specific to this episode, more of the arcs are- so far and I kind of feel like if we as the audience I think would benefit from knowing a bit more about what's in there so we understand a bit more about the threat that so we can sort of see the sort of two parts of the story heading along so if we knew we, we'd we be how the, the fact that he's blind would have more of an impact I think if we knew what he was guarding us against right uh, mm. whereas if, if because we don't know what it is it could be you know, a number of theories. We got so the master, the, the Cyberman, uh, completely the other, the other uh, incarnations of the Doctor, the Valiard, I think, has been mentioned Susan. as a particular. Yeah, Susan. Yeah, we'd feel that effect, and maybe the the, the line about "I'm still blind" would actually carry more weight if we knew what why that was a problem. Fantastic. Dylan? So I'll tell you what, I, this is not about this particular episode, which I say I loved, uh, I loved lots. Uh, I thought it was fantastic fun. And I also don't, I really don't mind the little details of, you know, of logic and why exactly would they do that? And, you know, the, there's, you know, it doesn't matter because it, he makes it super clear what the point of it is. Mm. And also it's quite nice to have a little bit of kind of that uh, fast calculating, fast talking kind of sci-fi jargony kind of things anyway. But I'll tell you what I would like to see. Um, I would like to see the, what I don't like to see is assistants who are incapable because mm-hmm. it's actually a little tedious and it disempowers them. And Billy, mm. Bill is, is, seems to be utterly incapable. She's capable of emotional resonance and that's great. But actually that seems to be, at least in the two episodes I've seen in this season, that's all I've seen. I would like to see that every single time you see her, she is being disempowered. I can't do anything. Oh, it's gone wrong. I'm staring. I'm scared. Not I'm able to do anything. Like, she can't even pick up a spanner. And um, like I remember like my favorite assistants have always been deeply capable. Uh, you know, Sophie Aldridge, for example. Yeah. I was going to say Ace. Ace. Yeah. It's exactly my example of like a perfect assistant. You know, both me and Chris know Ace. Mm. Uh, no, mm. Sophie. Um, or I've met her anyway. Mm. Um, she's great. I like to think I've, I know her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's, uh, she's great. Yeah, we invited her to one of our, uh, one of our shows. And she, she, planned, she did an improvised Doctor Who episode. Mm-hmm. Excellent, uh, which is fantastic fun, um, and so uh, so that's what I would like to see. So if you and in this she was uh, uh, she all she is is, uh, is an emotional sump. Uh, she has an important part because mm. she contrasts with Matt Lucas's character. But yeah, I wanted to see her be capable of something. Otherwise, it's a little bit irritating. Mm. Yeah. I would. Uh, I'll look forward to what you think after Thin Ice, uh, which is the third episode. Ah.
we have a little bit of content coming up from the absent hosts now. So here is Chris Alpha's haiku. Hello, everyone. Here's the haiku for oxygen. Breath taken away by galactic fat cat greed. Blinding solution. It's Andy. Woo! It's Andy. Yeah. It's time for classic Andy. With stuff he saw inside the show that he thinks that they planned. Woo! Did anyone else notice that the scene where Bill's suit malfunctions as they are about to do the spacewalk happens 25 minutes into the episode? Oxygen would work as a classic series two-parter with one of the most unforgettable cliffhangers. Doctor Who, reflecting political concerns and big business, is nothing new. Ecological concerns versus a huge corporation run by the unassailable boss in The Green Death, and the reflection of, of 1970s political events in the Peladon stories are the ones that spring to mind first. I'm liking the political engagement in this series, and I think it suits the show well. But there's something else I like. The way the Doctor deals with trouble has always inspired me. The little quips to Bill to keep up her spirits or shut down the nervy revolts from the crew. They're up there with moments that inspired me as a child. There's a glorious exchange in The Hand of Fear where Eldrad asks the Doctor, Where are your weapons? And the Doctor points to his head and says, In here. I used to smile at school prefects remembering the pirate planets standing around all day looking tough must be very wearing on the nerves. Long hours, no intellectual stimulation. At my all-time favourite, from Full Circle, when confronted with the decider's pompous introductions, he declares with a big grin, And I'm the Doctor. And of course, a bit later, his exasperated, Why can't people just be nice to each other? For a change. The Doctor's strong sense of self and sense of purpose and justice shines out just as clearly these days, and Peter Capaldi is so in his stride as he lands each moment. The Doctor has always strived to do good, and I love him for that. Great stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, good. Wow. He's yeah. incisive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm moved. <laughs> well, if people would like to hear more from you chaps, where would they point themselves on the great internet? Uh, well, I hadn't thought of that. Um, let me see. Well, if you want to see other various things I do, what the main thing I do is I do a show called Showstopper, the Improvised Musical. So Olivier you... Award-winning show. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mead. Uh, if you want to see that, we are on about every three weeks at the Lyric on Shaftesbury Avenue. It is a fully improvised musical. It is a lot of fun, and I will generally be there uh, as a sort of MC role, a chair role there. So uh, you can go to... Um, uh, theshowstoppers.org and you can see that. There's actually something else which we occasionally do called The School of Night, which is, I really like to do, which is uh, improvised Shakespeare. So you can just look up The School of Night, uh, improvised or something, and you'll probably find us there. Uh, and that's kind of it, really, and a bunch of other things as well. Fantastic. Bryn? Uh, so the sort of gateway one is thing is uh, Twitter, so it's at Bryn, S-B-R-Y-N-S. And for Dr. Tuprov, you can search on Facebook for Dr. Tuprov, T-W-O, P-R-O-V. Well, I'm so happy that you came to keep me company this week. It has been a great debate about this brilliant show that continues to surprise and enthrall. Um, next week, we shall see how the Doctor deals with being blind further. Uh, and we will see you back here. Same Doctor Who time, same Doctor Who channel. I, 
I lost confidence in that, as I said it. Okay. Oh, well, it's You sold fine. it. I think you sold it. Good. Oh, yeah. Thanks, yeah. Brian. Thank you. And see everyone next week. Bye. 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 Step into your Ganymede system spacesuit Tailor-made to help you do your best Force field for your head and special mag boots Red death ray emblazoned on your chest These suits are made for working So hit that bottom line Cause if you're slacking off, well then it's suffocation time (laughs) You keep talking when you ought to stay quiet Save your breath, no time to warn your man Zombie colleagues listening and learning They'll fix the lock and download a floor plan These suits are made for breathing But only if you pay One of these days these suits are gonna suck your air away Would you like some assistance? We'll vent the air to keep our prices high Made redundant as organic components Now feel your central nervous system fry These suits are made for killing And that's just what they'll do One of these days these suits are gonna come and strangle you Are you ready suits? Start killing!